And I want to welcome each of you who have come to share this Christmas Eve service. It's our privilege to have you as our guest. And we hope that the joy and the hope that Christ gives will be radiant in all of our lives as we worship together. We've got a great worship experience planned for you uh, today, and I hope that you experience the warmth and the love of God as you uh, gather here with us. I hope that the message that you will hear through the music and the spoken word and is something that you can take home with you today. Because it, for us, it's not about the gifts, it's not about the food, it's about God's presence uh, here uh, among us in this Christmas season. And that we need a whole lot more than we need a lot of other things in the world today. Let me give you just a bit of background, um, help you understand the theme of today's service. For the last four weeks, our teaching series has been called People of Hope, because in a world where hope is in short supply in many places and in many people's lives, Christmas is a reminder that we can have hope. The birth of a baby, the baby we celebrate, changes the world. And so we come to celebrate with joy and with wonder, celebrate the light that shines around us, and we're going to sing and praise our wonderful God as we again come before the Christ child who makes all of God's promises come true. So I invite you to pray with me and then see a short video that unpacks the meaning of this Christmas message for us. Let's pray together, shall we? Holy God, in the midst of all the Christmas celebration, we need to pause and remember the true meaning of this season. The food, the wrapping paper, and the bows, and all the festivities are but a small part. You who give us everything that we have, even though we continually turn away from you, blessed us with the greatest gift of all, your Son, Jesus Christ. Rekindle hope anew in us as we stand in awe of the Christ child again today. Instill in us the ability to bow before you with the trust and the innocence of a small child. And may the excitement that we feel at the birth of Christ remind us um, that you are with us all year long. And it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Well, it's good to be together on this Christmas Eve. Today is when we celebrate the angel's announcement that the Messiah was born in Bethlehem. When we remember that some shepherds gathered their flocks late one evening and together heard the good news. Today is when we gather ourselves into this story one more time and are reminded of the reality that God came to earth as an infant. He came in the flesh. He became real. Many of us know this story by heart, and even if this is your first time ever in a church, you likely know some of the Christmas songs from sacred places like Target and Walmart and Kohl's. <laughs> this story is so familiar and so embedded in us that sometimes it's hard to really hear it, to touch it, to make it fresh to our understanding year after year. Across America, the latest statistics show that only about 20% of people attend a church on a weekend. That's not just United Methodists, that's all faith traditions. One of the many reasons I think that a lot of people reject faith in God and don't find the church to be particularly meaningful for their life is that they think Christianity has very little to do with the real world. The church that I went to when I was growing up was nice enough, 
There were lots of families, lots of kids, lots of youth, and my early years were shaped by our family's involvement in that local church. But as I look back, I remember that on Sunday, everyone wore their best clothes and smiled their biggest smiles and were on their best behavior, well, most of the time. They didn't seem to have many problems or to share a lot of doubts about faith. It was the 50s and the early 1960s and life was good. Christmas was especially nice. The manger scene in the lobby of our church was perfect and pristine. Mary and Joseph were depicted in what must have been the cleanest stable in history. Even the animals in the manger scenes were shiny and sparkling. In my mind, Christmas didn't seem to take place in anything approaching the reality of life in a mid-sized manufacturing town in western Pennsylvania. We are well aware that the baby Jesus is the focus of Christmas. One of the favorite carols at this season is one we sang earlier, Away in a Manger. And one of the lines in that carol says, The little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. In my mind, it didn't seem like Jesus did the normal things that real babies do. Who ever heard of a baby that never cried? Being a kid, I had to wonder also if he ever messed his diaper, you know, or wanted to play at three in the morning instead of going to sleep, or got sick and vomited all over his parents from time to time. You see, church and Christmas and Jesus were sometimes not like the real world at all. As I got older and more aware that the world is not often a very nice place, that evil and disappointment and death are part of life, the church, and especially the nice Christmas story didn't seem to have a lot of relevance to reality. Now what does all of that have to do with any of us who are here today? I believe that it's possible to be in church on Christmas Eve and to be surrounded by nice things and nice people and feel like we're the only one who may be struggling with this whole faith thing because of what's going on in our life, because of what's going on in the world. It's easy to feel like everyone else seems to have no trouble feeling the joy. Everybody else has their act together. That people are sitting around us today and they're so together, they probably had their tree up and their Christmas shopping all done by Thanksgiving. And if you're here today feeling that way, then I want to assure you that you are not the only one. I know there are others who are experiencing some challenges in their life and even some doubts about faith. And to you, I want to apologize on behalf of the church. Sometimes we've made the reality of Christmas into this slick and romantic story. Or we've made it about petty annoyances like whether the clerk at our favorite store says Merry Christmas or Happy Holidays. We've managed to make Christmas small and sentimental. But Christmas, that first Christmas in Bethlehem over 2,000 years ago, was neither sentimental or small. It was nothing less than God breaking into human history. God became one of us. Christmas is about incarnation, which literally means God became flesh and chose to live among us. That very first Christmas was not about warm feelings by the fireplace or finding just the right gift or office parties or eggnog. That first Christmas was about real life. And thank God for that. I don't know about you, but when I'm really struggling 
when I'm hurting, when I'm deeply grieving, romantic notions and sentimentality just don't cut it. For people who are hungry today or homeless or battling PTSD or sitting alone in a nursing home, life is real and it's raw. Sentimentality may cheer us up for a while, but it's only temporary. And what we need more than anything is something lasting. We need hope. We need to be changed from the inside out. We need something that's real, something radical to challenge the real world realities of pain, of disappointment, of hard work and financial difficulties, of illness and anxiety. Today I invite you to strip away all the tinsel that we've piled onto the manger and notice that underneath we will find something that is real. Why else would those four words pop up over and over and over again in the Christmas story? The words, do not be afraid. When the angel Gabriel appeared to Mary to tell her she's going to be having God's child, those were his first four words. Do not be afraid. Now, I don't think that's just because it was scary to have an angel show up all of a sudden. The message Gabriel had to tell this 14-year-old girl was absolutely terrifying. You're going to be God's mother. Don't you think the idea of giving birth to God was at least alarming for this young teenage Mary? Not to mention the fear of what her family would say when she was suddenly pregnant without being married. And then there was the fear of what her fiancé would say or do. He had the right to have her stoned to death for her apparent adultery. See, for Mary, Christmas was dangerous. When Joseph found out Mary was pregnant, he planned to divorce her, but an angel appeared to him in a dream, and guess what he said? Do not be afraid. Don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. The idea of being God's stepfather had to be pretty intimidating, don't you think? What else did Joseph have to fear? Well, maybe public humiliation, ridicule for marrying this apparently adulterous woman, and suspicion that he was actually the father of an illegitimate child. But God asked Joseph to put all of that aside. For Joseph, Christmas was scary for himself, for his standing in the community, and for his family. And that phrase, do not be afraid, appears twice more in the Bible's Christmas accounts. An angel said it to John the Baptist's father, and another angel says it to the shepherds outside of Bethlehem. But do you, know, do, do you know who maybe had the most to be concerned about at Christmas? I think it was God. God in human skin, Jesus. Jesus who lowered himself to become like we are, like we were when we were born. God became a, ma a baby who needed diaper changes who was hungry, who cried, who couldn't walk or talk, who was totally dependent on his mother and father for everything, including protection. He gave up all of the privileges of heaven, of being all-powerful and all-knowing and all-everything. This Jesus was born in a real animal stall, not like the one in our manger scenes. The floor was mud, flies buzzed around, it stunk like manure. Jesus was born into the real world. And soon his family would have to run away and become immigrants in Egypt because King Herod wanted to kill him. And after the Holy Family did escape to Egypt, King Herod would slaughter all the children under two years old in Bethlehem. Why? Because he was afraid. 
his position was threatened by someone called the king of the Jews. This is not a sweet, sentimental story. There is a good deal of realism that surrounded the birth of this baby. And 33 years or so later, the Roman authorities would be so terrified of Jesus that to get rid of him or so they thought they would put him to death on a cross. See, the life of Jesus that begins in the reality of the manger is a real story that happens in a real world. Bad stuff happens in the real world, doesn't it? And it didn't stop happening when Jesus was born. And the truth that we often miss among all the nice stuff is that Jesus is a real-world Savior, even in the middle of the difficult and the challenging realities of life. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that being nice to each other is a bad thing. I'm not saying that we should never be sentimental about Christmas or about what it means to us. But what I am saying, hopefully loud and clear today, is that let's not lose sight of the reality of this story Let's not pretty it up until it's just another story, another fairy tale. Because there is pain here and disappointment and suffering in our world. Only a real savior, not the perfect, quiet, clean baby in the manger scenes, not the idealized surfer dude in many of the paintings of Jesus as an adult. Only a real and radical Jesus can overcome evil and sin and death. Jesus suffered the same things that we go through. He got hungry. He got cold, he lost friends to death. He cried, and yes, he laughed and went to some parties and had some good times, but Jesus was one of us. Think about how radical that is for a moment. God, infinite in power, able to be everywhere at once, was contained in skin and bones and muscles and blood vessels and organs like yours and mine. He lived here on earth as vulnerable as you and I, and only God could have come up with something so real so radical, God in a manger. I read an article by Rachel Held Evans where she wrote about the kind of God that we see when we look at Jesus, God in the flesh, and here's what she said. Jesus, who was born as an oppressed minority in an occupied land. Jesus, who was an immigrant. Jesus, who surrounded himself with the poor, the sick, the marginalized, and the untouchables. Jesus, who was criticized by the religious people for hanging out with sinners. Jesus, who treated people with dignity and respect. Jesus, who taught his disciples to love their enemies, to give without expecting anything in return, to overcome evil with love. Jesus, who suffered. Jesus, who wept. Jesus, who, while hanging on a Roman cross, said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. That's who God is. He's real. He's radical. He's a God who doesn't care if you don't have all your Christmas decorations up. He doesn't care if you don't have it all together today. He loves you the way you are, and he desires to have a relationship with you. I don't know what brought you here today. Maybe you're here because you're making someone in your family happy, or because it's your tradition or because you're just curious. And you may be here because your boyfriend or girlfriend asked you to come, but no matter what's brought you here today, I'm glad you're here. What I'd like to say to you is this. Please don't dismiss Christmas or Jesus as out of touch for the real world that you and I live in. Check out what the Bible says about Jesus. Find out 
what he really said and did and who he hung out with and who he challenged. Because that's the God who's there in the manger. He's a God who loves you so much that he did something real and radical. He became like you and died like you will and then rose again, all to restore God's relationship with you. And all of that was because God loves you. And what God asks in return is not that you do anything to earn that relationship because you can't, but only that you realize how real is God's love for you because when you do, understand that it will change your life let's pray god if if we were here to be completely honest we confess it makes no sense that you would send your son as a baby into our world as a down payment for our wrongs to be paid in full on the cross of calvary It would make more sense to us if there was something we could do to earn it. And yet that's your offer to us. It has nothing to do with our worthiness, but only if we will believe in Jesus Christ. Believe that he was born as a baby and sacrificed himself for us. So God, today, whether for the first time or the hundredth time, we tell you that we believe, help our unbelief. And for those who are here today and convinced and would like to offer that connection into a relationship with Jesus Christ, I invite you to pray this prayer with me. Lord, I accept your gift this Christmas. I'm sorry for my wrongs. Come into my heart and help me all at once or by little, little by little to, to have my life transformed into the person that you want me to be. We celebrate and remember Christ as a baby, but also as our Redeemer and our friend. And we pray this all in his name. Amen. our tradition here at Redeemer to uh, receive a special offering at Christmas time that's over and above all of our regular giving for the year. And this year it is designated for three mission projects, new ones that we are connecting with as a congregation. They are outlined for you in the inside cover of your worship folder. One is the Blended Learning Academy right here in DeWitt in the old Gunnisonville School Building. This is a charter high school for at-risk youth in in the high school age. Uh, New Heart United Methodist Church is kind of a remake of the United Methodist Church in Saginaw that's reaching youth and students um, off the streets in Saginaw, but they're very financially challenged, so we're going to be partnering with them, as well as Work of Heart, which is a ministry right here in Clinton County. uh, in touch with a lot of the foster care uh, system. So we're Delighted to be partnering with these three groups through the Christmas season. If you want to give to that tonight, feel free to be able to do that tonight or even in the coming days. You can go online uh, to uh, our website and and give that way as well. In a moment, our ushers are going to come, uh, but let's bow in a moment of prayer first. God, may we find it to be a joyful experience to offer these gifts in the name of Jesus Christ. Grant us the wisdom of 
those of old who worshiped the Christ child and uh, made, these off made offerings at his feet. So accept these expressions of our love. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>